man. Everybody doing good today? Woo, man. It's a, man, what a great day already. Uh, you know, we've had uh, someone who put their faith in Christ for uh, this in the first service, but I want to share this. I, I know we don't always realize this, but like last Sunday, it's been a great week. So last Sunday, we had people in every service make decisions to surrender their life to Christ. Yeah, man, that's that's huge. That's eternal. And then there were people online that made the same decision. So there was there were souls that were saved last week. I hope you guys can kind of get your mind around that. And I pray that we as a church never get comfortable or used to that to the point that it's not a big deal because that means that someone went from death unto life right and they are a new creation they're they're being transformed by the power of the gospel and so uh so anyway so thank you guys for bringing friends with you and for reaching out to those around you that uh, maybe they don't know christ that's uh we're his ambassadors is what we get to be a part of so welcome to the online uh those watching online as well but thank y'all for being here today and uh, god's got some cool stuff going on around our church and uh, i want to say this to the men right now if you have not signed up for man camp, I want to challenge you to do that. It's going to be a great time. So part of what we do as a church is those who have put their faith in Christ, we walk with them, we mentor them, we equip them, we prepare them for the works of ministry. That's what we do. And so if you're a man and you have not signed up for man camp, I want to, I want to challenge you to do that. And if you're the wife of a man in here who he's going, I don't want to go, I don't really know anybody, make him go anyway, all right? Kind of say, hey, you're going to go. You're going to go. And, uh, and so it's, it's, a, it's a fun time of connecting with other men and kind of growing in our faith. And so I want to challenge you to, to, go, to be a part of that. Don't, don't, don't chicken out. Uh, you know, so uh, just say, hey, listen, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to be a part of it. So, hey, we're wrapping up our, our series, Feelings or Not, and we have kind of unpacked a few things I feel like that we needed to hear, and I feel like today is no different. This is something that we need to hear, and not just, you know, uh, what we need to hear as an individual, but we need to hear it as a church as well. And so, feelings are not, today we're talking about feelings are not facts. Feelings are not facts. And so, uh, oftentimes, we, we live in our feelings. We, you know, we're all up in our feelings. We talk about that, you know, and and uh, we have to be careful with our feelings. Feelings are, they're, they're a good thing. They're, they're created by God, right? So feelings are good. There's some positive things about it. We just cannot be uh, ruled and controlled by those feelings. And so we want to know what feelings are. And feeling is an emotional state or reaction. It's a belief, especially a vague or irrational one. And so our emotions is how we respond. So emotions are a good thing. You know, uh, we, like I, this morning, watching people walk in, they have joy on their face. They've got some excitement. You know, they've got a little pep in their step, if you will. They're ready to worship. And so to me, that's a good thing. That's a good emotion, right? So we, we want those things, but we can go the other way with that real easy. And then all of a sudden, those things can take over. But feelings and emotions are part of being a human. I mean, God created us. God knit us together. He, he's the one that shaped us and formed us. And he gave us emotions. So they're a good thing. And it's part of us being human. So it's a good thing. It's just all, all, all kinds of different things can get out of alignment. God's plan, God's perfect plan, we can often get out of alignment and we cannot line up with what God's plan is and even how God created things to be, right? We can kind of get out of alignment and call, it's really called dis-ease because we're not lined up the way we should be. And so it's part of being human. And then feelings and emotions are part of what make life exciting. Like if your team uh, scores a touchdown or scores a basket or, you know, kicks a goal, or whatever. I mean, you get excited, right? You get excited. So those are things that make life exciting are those emotions, you know, and it can be really good ones or your team can lose and it's like, man, it's really bad emotions, right? Like you can be sad, you can be downcast or whatever, but we can't live in those emotions because they're going to change, right? So we have to be, we have to understand that that's just part of it. It says whether your emotions is anger frustration, disgust, anxiety, or even happiness. Do not get overly attached to that, in, uh, that emotion because it will change, right? So you might be on cloud nine today. I mean, it might be the best day ever, and then something can happen tomorrow, right? Or even this afternoon. So things happen. 
And so emotions change. They ebb and flow. And we've joked about it, but I mean, they can change even with, hey, the fact that you're hungry. You know, you can, uh, not eating, not getting enough coffee, coffee, or getting too much coffee. You know, we say, well, I ain't got enough coffee, so I'm not awake. Now you got too much coffee, so you're jittery, and you're snapping on everybody, or whatever. And so it can be all kinds of things can wreck our emotions. And so, so don't get attached to wherever you're at, because it's going to change. I mean, that's just part of it, right? It's kind of like weather here in the South, you know what I mean? It's going to change eventually. I mean, it's, something's going to happen. And, uh, and so that's part of it. We're not to live in that one state. So feelings are real, but not always reliable. Uh, if it's that unstable, it's that changing, then it's not a solid foundation to build, uh, to make good decisions with, or to build our life on, or to, you know, to say, hey, listen, this is, this is what I'm going to decide that's going to affect the rest of my life, and I'm going to do it based on a feeling. And, and too often what we do is we will say, well, I feel in my heart that I ought to do this. And here's the thing, our heart can be corrupted. We'll talk about that in a second, but we have to make sure that we, we make a we make decisions not based on emotions. We, we weigh them out. We, we, we you know, make sure, that, hey, is that of God? Is that of the Spirit? Or is that just me? And so we are not to ignore our feelings. We just don't need to be controlled or led by our feelings. So we don't want to be led by them. We, and we're not to ignore them. I think we're to, we're to take them into consideration, right? We weigh them out. But we weigh them out against the Word of God. We weigh them out against what is right. We weigh them out, and we may feel a certain way like you may have walked in and think, hey, I don't, I, don't feel, I don't feel like anybody in this room really likes me. That, that's a lie from Satan. You know, there's people here that love you. There's a God in here that loves you. You know what I'm saying? And so God loves you. And so you may say, oh, I don't feel like anybody loves me. God loves you. There's people that love you. you know, and so you've got to go, you know what? I want to I make my decision not based on my emotions or how I feel, but what I know to be truth, right? And so facts are important. And, and I'll just say this. There, there's so many things like there are some people that would say, you know, well, I don't know if I believe the Bible to be true. And, and they're based that on their feelings or what they've heard on social media or some, you know, some goofball has said something or whatever. And they say, well, that's what he said. All right, well, he don't know either, right? And, and so here's what I would say is there's more facts, there's more study been done to try to disprove the Bible that actually only proves it. It authenticates the Scriptures. Every archaeological dig that happens, there's not one time where it discredits the Bible or it says, well, hey, you know, the Bible said this, but that couldn't have happened. Those archaeological digs actually confirm, confirm what we read. And so we can know that this is truth and it's factual. And here's the thing, it's even scientific, if you will, because a scientist is, a, you know, an archaeologist is a scientist. And so that scientist is saying, hey, man, what we thought was not possible, with God, all things are possible. But what we thought was not possible is actually, it's actually historically true. And so there's been more work put in to try to disprove the Bible than any other literary work. And there's been more study done. And here's the thing, there's more facts, if you will, not feelings, facts that back up the Word of God as something divine. I'm just telling you. So, so you can't just say, well, I feel like it may not be. Well, who cares what you feel about if you know, hey, you know what, the facts back it up. So the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. We started the series with this passage. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So this, this is God's Word, and it's talking about sometimes when we'll say, well, you know, I feel in my heart this is what I ought to do. Well, does it line up with the Word of God? Does it line up with the truth of God's Word? Does it line up with what is right? And, is, is, and here's the other question, is it what is best? And does it honor God? I think we have to ask those questions. So our heart will lie to us. It'll, it'll trick us. But look at what it says here. Jeremiah 17 says this, and says, but I, the Lord— so God is writing this God, I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. So God searches our heart. 
He searches our heart to see if we are doing things with the right motive, right? Or, or do, are we doing this because it feels good? Or are we doing this because, hey, this is what I feel like I, I, I want to do? Instead of, hey, this is what honors God, what glorifies God. It's the right thing to do. He goes, I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. And so God searches the heart. So what, this is a prayer that I pray every Sunday morning before I ever teach anything. I just ask, I say, God, would you search my heart? Would you show me anything in me that I need to confess, that I need to get right with you before I stand before your people? Now, here's what I would say. That's every day we should do that. But I'm telling you, because I'm held responsible for what I teach, I want to make sure that I line up with the Word of God, right? And so I would just say this, that we ought to all ask, pray this prayer daily. God, is there anything in me? Will you search my heart? And he will, because he says he will, right? God, will you show me, will you reveal to me, will you illuminate those areas of my life that don't glorify you, that don't honor you, that do not line up with your word, that are based on feelings and based on what the world is pushing, what the world is selling, rather than what you say is best. And so we ought to ask that. That should be our prayer. And so we live in a culture and a time when it seems feelings are elevated above truth, science, and facts. Would you all agree with that? I mean, that's what we live in, Right? And it's nothing new. I mean, God has been dealing with this from, from, uh, from the beginning, it seems like, because we are, we're all selfish individuals. We want it to be about us. And so what we do is we, we've elevated to where it's all about feelings. Somebody gets their feelings hurt. They get offended. And like, hey, well, everything else needs to shut down. We're living in this cancel culture and everything else. And so we've got to be able to say, God, you know, I don't want to live to where I'm afraid to offend or be offended. Here's something. Some of you guys are going to be offended today. God's Word is offensive. God, the gospel is offensive. It tells you that you're dead in your transgressions. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it is, it is offensive. So we've got to be able to say, God, I'm okay with you offending me from time to time because I need it. And, and I'll just say this to the parents. Our kids need to be offended sometimes. They're going to get their feelings hurt. They'll get over it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's just part of it. They're not going to be scarred for life no matter what some doctor out there might be telling you or whatever his, whatever his initials are by his name or his credentials are. But we've got to be able to say, God, I don't want to live like that. I want to live according to your word. I want to live according to the truth of your word. I want to walk in that truth, right? And so... One of the things that we see is just the male-female deal. You know, I mean, we live in a culture now where it says, hey, well, if you feel this way, that's what you are. No, no, no. Uh, if we go back to science, if y'all took biology class like I took biology class, you could tell the difference between the two, right? It was male and female, and God created them that way. So if we go back to Genesis 1, it says that God said, let us make mankind in our image, and our image is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all right there together in our likeness. So Jesus has been there from the beginning, Right? So in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky. So man was given dominion over all the earth, over the livestock and over the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in, his own image, in the image of God, he created them what? Male and female, he cre created them. So we go back to the very beginning of creation, there's male and female. And, and like I said, I know there's things that are taught, things that are pushed, and things that are promoted. You know, we don't even know what to—nobody we don't even, nobody wants to even define what a male or a female is anymore. I mean, it's a meme or a joke now, right? Like, hey, you know, kid, you've got to spell this in the spelling bee, and a kid goes, hey, could you give me a definition? Everybody's looking around like, man, I don't know if I want to answer that one. We know what a male and a female is, right? I mean, and so here's the thing. It doesn't matter what the feelings might be. We've got to be, go back and say, hey, you know, God, help me just base it on facts, not just on feelings. And so some people would want to throw that out. They say, well, that's Old Testament, Mike. Well, here's the New Testament. This is Jesus. Jesus' question about marriage, he said, when, I, when Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and he went down to the region of Judea, east of the Jordan River. And large crowds followed him there like they always did, right? And he healed their sick. He was literally changing and impacting lives. He's making, he's doing all the good that you can do. Somebody's sick and you're healing them. 
You know, they're, they're, God's healing them. That, this is a positive thing. But some Pharisees, now these are the religious leaders. They had a form of religion, but no power. And some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. So their job was like, I mean, Jesus is turning the whole world upside down. Everybody's believing this teaching, and they're following him. And so they were afraid, hey, it's going to mess up our whole ritual and routine and everything else. And so they wanted to trap him. And so they asked this question, should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Just any reason. And we know that divorce is prevalent in our our culture right now. It was nothing new. I mean, they were still dealing with it then, right? And look at what Jesus said. He kind of kind of gives them a little bit of a sarcastic response. He says, haven't you read the scriptures? I mean, these are the religious leaders, the rabbis. These are the guys that would have memorized most of the text, most of the scriptures. He says, haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied, he said, they record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. So Jesus, and a lot of people say, well, I think things have changed. No, no, no. The word of God doesn't change. God doesn't change, right? The word of God doesn't change. And so Jesus, he made them male and female. And look at this. He says, and he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. That's marriage. That's a beautiful picture that God says, hey, listen, in the covenant of marriage, goes back to what we talked about last week, the, the eros, you get to literally become one physically, emotionally, spiritually. There's a lot that happens there. And the two become one. And, and so the decisions you make moving forward from that, hey, we make a decision as a couple, as, a, as, a, as, a, as one. So the two come, come together as one. And, and that's God's plan. And since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. So that's Jesus speaking and teaching on marriage and on male and female. So we can see that, you know what, God's, God's plan is pretty clear. God's plan is clear and obvious that marriage is a covenant relationship between a man and a woman for a lifetime. Now, the world may be selling you something different, but I'm just telling you what Scripture says. Genesis, you know, and we get all the way up to Matthew, we see that, you know, that's God's plan. Is that we, hey, we would, we would be in a covenant relationship. So it's not just a contract to be broken. Or, hey, you feel like, you know, I don't feel like I love her anymore. I don't feel like I love him anymore. What's feelings got to do with it? It's based on the fact that you entered into a covenant relationship. And you said, you know what? I want to honor God. And I want to honor her. I want to honor him. And I, and I literally want to line up with the word of God, not with what is being sold and pushed in this world. I want to be different. I want to be set apart. And so we've got to be willing to say that. So in the last days, there will be difficult times. Would you guys agree with that? I mean, in the last days, there's going to be difficult times. And a lot of times people get uh, anxious or worried or fret or fearful about the end times. And so we're in a study right now in our life group where it's talking about the stages set and it's talking about some of the end times. It's a study of Revelation and stuff. And so here's the thing is we're not to be afraid of that. Hollywood has done everything it can to get you to fear it, to live in fear. That's what they do. That's why they... If they can stir it up, if they can get a, a rise out of you, if they can get to your feelings, then they think that, hey, you know, Satan's going, hey, man, I've got them. They'll worry about the end of time rather than being confident in knowing who they are in Christ, knowing that they're a child of God, knowing that Christ has already given us victory. Instead of knowing all that, we'll worry. And so we won't read Revelation because it seems a little bit different and we're afraid of it. And so that's how the enemy will work. But if you read the, the very first chapter, the very first couple of verses of Revelation, it tells us that we're blessed if we read this and teach this, right? And, and so, so the end times are among us. They're, I mean, they're here, to be honest. I, I mean, I feel like they're here. We're in the end times, but, you know, it's been that way for a long time. So we just don't know. I mean, Jesus even said, you know, he doesn't know whenever, you know, he'll step out on the cloud. God will tell him, the Father will tell him, and then it's time to go, right? So anybody that comes along telling you, hey, listen, I know or I believe this is when Jesus is coming back, they're a liar. They're a liar. They're guessing. They may have a good guess, 
But I'm just telling you they're a liar because Jesus said he didn't know. And if Jesus doesn't know, they don't know, right? So that's just the way that works. So in the last days, there will be difficult times. And this is Paul writing to Timothy. This is 2 Timothy. So Timothy's a pastor. And so Paul is his mentor, his teacher, his equipper. And so he's telling him, he's writing him, he's, he's kind of preparing him for some things. He says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Very difficult times. Now I want to read this passage to you guys. And I want you to think about, hey, what, what does this sound like to you guys? So let's kind of unpack it. So for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud. They'll be scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will, uh, they will consider nothing sacred. They'll be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends and be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. What's that sound like? Sounds like here and now, right? It sounds like, you know, what's going on around us. It sounds like our culture. And most of us would say, yeah, that's, that's, that's the culture out there. But this is what I would just say to all of us in here. Is Paul is writing to Timothy, who is a pastor. So I think that what Paul is saying, hey, listen, this is what the church needs to be careful about, about becoming. And so what we think is, oh, it's talking about the world. Our job is to reach the world with the gospel. So Paul's not saying, hey, listen, don't go out there where all those people are out in the world. He's saying, hey, watch out for these people in the church. He's saying, watch out for these people that buy into this mentality that they've got a little bit of Jesus, but they have no power. They've got a form of religion, but no authority and no power. And, and there's no real change or no evidence of, of Christ being in their life. And so what Paul is writing here is he's saying, hey, listen, man, watch out for these people. Don't, don't, be like, don't hang around these folks. But he's also telling, hey, man, go after those that don't know Christ, those that are far from Christ, those that don't know him. We're to go after him with like reckless abandon, man. We go after them. And so let's, let's kind of look at a couple of things. We're going to unpack this a little bit. So people will be lovers of self. So here's the thing. Whenever we read that passage the first time, just kind of out loud, most of us think about, like I said, what the world is pushing, what the world is like right now. But I, again, I think we have to make this kind of personal today. And so we ask ourselves, it says people will be lovers of self. And so the question is, is do I love self more than I love God? Do you love yourself more than you love God? Do you love yourself more than you love the Word of God? Do you love yourself? So is it more about your feelings and, you know, you feeling good about yourself than it is the truth of God's Word or what is right or what you know to be even facts? Or do I get to choose that, hey, I want it to be about me and what I want, what I feel? Then we've got to be willing to say, God, I'm, I'm a lover of self, not a lover of truth in your Word. And so so we, people will be lovers of self. I think we can look around, we look at our world, and we see that everywhere, Right? I mean, you got people that it's obvious it's all about them. They, they love themselves. But I'm just telling you, for us as individuals, we have to ask ourselves, are we in that category as well? Where are we in that? What do we do with this? And then look at the next one. It says they will be lovers of money. I mean, I think we see in our culture, you know, it's, it's all about the money, right? Uh, it's about how, many, how much they make. I mean, you, you play, you, we're paying people to play sports that's just like crazy money. And, you know, here we are. We've got an election coming up. And the one thing that keeps coming up, you know, that everybody's so worried about is what? The economy. Everybody's worried about the economy. They're worried about the price of gas. They're worried about whatever. Here's the thing. They're not worried about character or integrity or what kind of man this might be. They're just worried about, hey, do I get more money? Do, will my money go further? 
And I'm just telling you, the church is no different than the world in this. It's all about, hey, listen, hey, what is going to be the best thing for me, not for our nation, not for God's kingdom? It's all about the economy, and I want to make sure that my dollar goes a little bit further. I can buy a few more groceries or a little bit more gas or whatever. And so we don't even worry about a, a man's character integrity anymore. It's about, hey, what can he do for me? What can, what can they put in our pocket? That's what we make it about. We don't have godly leaders we have people that, men that are just full of themselves, right? And, and that's who we keep putting up there. And I know a lot of us go, you know, I just wish we had a better choice. I do too. I promise you I do. But we need godly men and godly women to run for those offices that are not just, that are not just all about money and the economy. Do I, do I like having more of my dollar go a little bit further? Yes. But it cannot be more important than character and integrity. You know, it's got to be more than that. And so there'll be lovers of money. And I'll just tell you this. You know, we're not to, it's easy to kind of get focused on that. But the way that we know what we really love, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, you know, where your, where your treasure is is where your heart is. If you want to know what you really love, you can tell everybody you love Jesus all you want. Just look in your bank account. Look in your checkbook. Look, look at what you spend your money on. And, and everybody will know what you really love. And here's the thing, in most churches, including ours, in most churches, a lot of people don't do anything. They don't even tip Jesus. I mean, we go somewhere to get something to eat, man. We don't even, you know, we, we're going to tip, right? And now you have to tip for everything. You go in, you pick, if you go in and make your own sandwich and everything, they still want you to tip, right? It's crazy. I mean, you do everything there, they want you to tip. A lot of people don't even tip Jesus. And so if you want to know where your treasure's at, just look in your checkbook, it'll tell you. And so God knew that that would be an issue. He said materialism is going to be an issue. So you've got to choose, do you love God or do you love money? And money, money here's the thing, money's just a tool, that's all it is. But what we do is we, we make it a God. We make it an idol in our life. So they'll be lovers of money. And the church is no different. They'll be boastful, arrogant, and conceited. Doesn't that sound like our politicians? Let me tell you what I've done. Let me tell you what I've done. Let me tell you what I've done. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. And half the time, they don't deliver on anything they promise they're going to do. Some of them will. But a lot of times, if you go back and you look at their track record, they don't do what they say they're going to do. But they love to tell you what they've done, right? And, and, and here's the thing. Are we that way? So it's easy to kind of look at the world and say that, but we, are we boastful? Are we arrogant? Are we conceited? Do we look down on the people around us? So we have to personalize these. So all of these, I think we have to personalize. They will disobey their parents. Now, we, we look around and we want to blame the kids, but I'm just telling you, this probably begins with the parents. Bad parenting. We live in a culture where it's not necessarily important what God's Word says. What's important is what the latest guy that wrote a book says, doctor, whatever, you know, or, or whatever the latest, greatest thing is. Or used to, it was whatever Oprah said on her show. It's like, well, this person said this on Oprah, so that's how I need to raise my kids. No, no, you need to raise them according to the Word of God. You know, we need to raise them according to the truth. And, and so what happens is a lot of times, you know, we, we let our kids kind of get away with everything, and we don't want to offend our kids. We, you know, we give them a trophy for everything, but we don't want them to get their feelings hurt. And the thing is, they're going to get their feelings hurt in life. That's part of it. But we don't want them to get their feelings hurt, so we don't discipline them, which Scripture tells us we need to discipline them. Now, how you go about that may be different. You know, and so, now, I was old school. I believed in spankings, but I had one kid. It didn't matter if I, I could just about beat him to death, man. He wasn't going to change, but I could take something from him. I could take something from him, and it was like his whole world was falling apart. And so, you got to figure out, it's like with a spirited horse, you have to figure out, hey, what guides them, what leads them, what, what moves them in. But that, that is for their good. So whenever we as parents don't really discipline, we don't really lead and guide our children, and then whenever they push back on us and they disobey, we wonder why. It's because we didn't do a good job of being a parent. 
And I think that too often we get away from the Word of God and we go with whatever the latest, greatest teaching is or whatever's popular, whatever's being pushed, or whatever some, somebody says is the way you do it. And we go, that's the way it's supposed to be. And it doesn't line up with the Word of God. You're just buying lies. And so, so they will disobey their parents. I think we see that everywhere. And so I would even say this to those in the room today. Maybe you're a teenager. Maybe you're younger. Do you obey your parents? And then I would say to you guys that are older, that if your parents are still alive, do you honor your parents? Do you honor them? You may not agree with them on everything, but do you honor them? See, I, I don't agree with, you know, who's the president right now. I don't agree with him on everything, but I do have honor and respect for that position, if that makes sense. And so I would just say to some of you that you may not agree with everything your mom or dad has done. I didn't agree with everything that my mom and dad had done, but I still respected and honored them for the position they were in in my life. And then here's another one. We, they will be ungrateful, unloving, and unforgiving. So would you agree with that? I mean, I think that we look around, we go, man, that's what our world looks like. There's uh, this entitlement mentality. You know, our kids have that entitlement mentality. Some, some of that, maybe we help create that. But they're ungrateful, unloving, and unforgiving. So we would point at that and say, yes, that sounds like our culture. But then I would ask you to personalize that and, say, and ask yourself, are you ungrateful? Are you, are you ungrateful for all that God has done? He put breath in your lungs. For most of you, you didn't have to walk here. You rode in a car here. And some of you didn't even want to ride together. You rode two different cars, right? And so, so, you know, and maybe the coffee wasn't the right temperature or maybe it didn't taste the way you wanted or whatever. And so you're ungrateful. It's free coffee. You didn't pay for it, right? Some of you guys at Tide did. Some of you guys at Tide did. But the rest of you didn't. And so we're ungrateful or unloving. We don't, we don't love certain people. They don't, they don't, we don't feel like they deserve our love, so we're unloving towards them. So we're unloving. We're unforgiving. We walk around with bitterness, anger, resentment, hate, discord. We stir up stuff because we cannot forgive them. We've got unforgiveness to our parents. We've got unforgiveness to our brother, our sister. We've got unforgiveness to maybe even our kids, whatever it might be. But we've got unforgiveness towards people that, you know, that Jesus said, hey, listen, I died for you. I forgave you, and so I want you to forgive as I have forgiven you. So if I'm walking around that way, then you know what, man? I, I'm one of those people that Timothy doesn't need to hang around. He doesn't need to be spending time with. They will, they will consider nothing sacred. I think most of us could look at the news, and we see things all the time where they do everything they can to dis, uh, uh, discredit the Scriptures. They do everything they can to, um, to just, I, I guess, to just do everything they can to discredit or go against the teachings of Christ, the church itself, anything they can do to dishonor or whatever. We would say, man, they don't hold anything sacred. And most of us, we see things like that. You know, we see where people will get into a church and, and man, they have to go in and try to desecrate the church. And then they have to go in and try to clean the church up and say, man, that's not what we're for. That's not what we stand for. We see that happening. But I would just ask you this. That it says they will consider nothing sacred. My question would be, do you? Do you consider anything sacred? See, marriage is sacred. Marriage is sacred to God. It's a beautiful thing to God. It is a covenant relationship. And so do you treat your wife or your spouse or your husband like there's something that is special? Or do you treat marriage as just something that's a, it's a, it's a, an agreement that I got in? I wish I could get out of it. You know, you do everything you can to break it. Or do you honor the covenant? Do you honor the marriage bed? You know, or do you dishonor it? And so the thing is, is, you may be the one in this room that is not honoring what is sacred. And so there ought to be, you, know, you may have a friend that you're encouraging them to get a divorce. And I'm just telling you, you need to consider marriage sacred. And we can be guilty of, of, of desecrating the things that God says are sacred. A life. We don't put a value on a person's life. Man, God did. God sent his son Jesus to die that we all might what? Live. 
You know, so if you, put, if you don't put any value on a person's life, you're desecrating that which is sacred. They will slander others. You know, this is what our news does, what social media does, right? You know, it's, it's all about, you know, tearing somebody down. You know, it's what a politician does. Let me tear this guy down. Let me slander him. Let me do whatever. And I get that. You got to put the facts out there. That's one thing. But slander, you know, a lot of times what we do is we're constantly trying to tear somebody down, trying to rip them down. And, and, and slander, you know, we get on our, our rants. We'll get on so- social media. And uh, one that kind of cracks me up is someone will get on there and they'll say, hey, well, listen, that, that person in that red car on such and such road, like, who cares, man? Well, but you're ranting on them. You're, you know, you may be slandering them even. Or you get on there and you'll rant about somebody or you'll, you'll want to tear somebody down, but you want to act like you wasn't really going to name them. Everybody knows who you're talking about sometimes too, right? And so what you're doing is you're doing exactly what Scripture says. Hey, man, we're not supposed to do that, out, not as a believer. If you've got an issue with your brother, you follow Matthew 18, you go to that person. You try to make amends with that person. If you can't get it right, then you get somebody to go with you. Then if you can't get it right, you may have to come before the church, and the church may have to put them out or you out, right? But you've got to be willing to do, deal with it according to Scripture. They'll have no self-control. We see that a lot, right? People that have no self-control, man, they just, it's whatever. They go wide open and whatever it is, and no self-control. And, 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 and I hope you guys understand, but self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. So for the believer in the room, or the believer that's watching, you might try to justify it and say, well, that's just the way I am. Well, that's, that's not good enough. Or you might say, well, the, you know, I was raised that way. Well, I was raised wrong too, right? And you say, hey, you know what, that may have been what my mom and dad did, but when I became a believer, I became a follower of Christ, I became a new creation. You know what, the old was set free, man. The, that, that, that guy's dead. I'm a new man in Christ. And so maybe I was raised that way, but doesn't mean that it was the right thing to do or the right way to live. And so... I cannot just say that I was raised that way, or that's just how I'm wired. But I've got to go, God, help me to have the fruit in my life of self-discipline or self-control. They have no self-control. They'll love pleasure rather than God. They'll love pleasure rather than God. Now, I think most of us look at that and we go, I mean, in this culture we live in, the society we live in, it's all about pleasure. It's whatever feels good, you do it. I mean, like I said, there's nothing sacred. The nastiest, dirtiest stuff that you can imagine is everywhere. You know, and there was a time whenever those things were screened and, you know, you just couldn't get it. But now it's on social media. I mean, it's everywhere. Every reel or whatever, it doesn't matter. It's got something on there that is, that is really just offensive to God. And we just, we listen to it. We, we draw it in. We, we, we allow it into our lives. And, and so we like the pleasure of what we hear or what we feel or what we see rather than the God that we claim that we love and that we serve. And so we've got to be able to say, God, you know, I don't want to be that way. And so we love the pleasure rather than God. So we come in here, hopefully we did come in today with maybe a little bit of excitement on, 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 our, in our, on our face, you know, a little bit of joy. And we're looking forward to worshiping the one true God. We really did. We came in with that mentality. And, and so hopefully we do really love God. And we love him more than the pleasure of this world. We love him more than what this world is selling. We love him more than porn. We love him more than sex. We love him more than drugs. We love him more than alcohol. We love him more than money. We love him more than all of that. We love him more than our kids. And I know for some parents, you know, we're living a time of child worship. But I'm just telling you what we've got to be able to say. You know what? I love God more than anything else. That's what it really means to follow Christ. Because that's what Jesus did. You say, man, it's, it's to love the Father and do his will. They'll have a form of religion but no power. And so this, this, this one I think is powerful. We, you know, we see people that well, they'll worship anything. And people are created to worship. We're going to worship something, right? So they'll worship anything. And they worship football. Or they worship money. Or they worship, you know, so being a celebrity. They worship, worship whatever. And so they'll worship something. Everybody's going to worship something. 
And so they, they worship that. But I think back to the church here. It says they will have a form of religion but no power. I think the church is full of people who were raised going to church, and they feel like if I just go sit in a chair, and I warm up a chair for a little bit, you know, and I hear the message, and I sing a few songs, and maybe if I tip God a little bit, then I, I, I'm good. But that's not what Jesus died for. Jesus died that we might be filled with abundant life, and that we might live an abundant life, and that we might be filled with the Spirit, and we might be led by the Spirit, and we'd have the fruit of the Spirit. And so there's power in that, right? And so there, maybe you're sitting here today, and you go, man, I go to church, but I don't feel like I have any power. Well, maybe it's because you're following this pattern that the world is selling. And here's the thing, when the church's culture is so close that it resembles the world's culture, then we're not doing something right. And we've got to be able to say, God, I want to be different. I want to be set apart. I want to be godly. I want to be holy. And God, I want to be an ambassador. I want to be a light. And I want to be a vessel that you would use. And so they would have a form of a religion, but no power. So if you're one of those who you've been going to church forever, man, you come and you sit in here, but you go through life and there's no joy, there's no peace, there's, no, there's none of those things. There's no self-control, there's no fruits of the Spirit. Then you have a form of religion, but no power. And the only way that we can have that power is through the person of Jesus Christ. Faith in who Jesus is, what Jesus did on the cross, what he did through the power of the resurrection, and the fact that he will place his Spirit within inside of us, and we walk in that. And here's the thing, we live led by that. And here's the thing, our fruit, the fruit of that is literally love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all those fruits. And the world sees that and goes, man, I want that. So how do I overcome being controlled by feelings? How do I overcome that? Because we all, we, we have our feelings, right? Some of you guys maybe feel offended even now. Some of you guys feel like, you know what, man, I, I've, I've blown it. Maybe I, I don't have what Mike is talking about. And you go, I feel like I need to do something different. So God can work in those feelings as well. He created them, right? So how do I overcome being controlled by my feelings? It goes back to we, this. I think we walk in truth. We walk in truth. So right there, we walk in truth. We walk in truth. We walk in the Word of God. We walk in step with the Word of God. And I think, I think it's literally like that. We go, you know what? I'm going to begin my day by praying to Jesus. I'm going to spend my time listening to Jesus. I'm going to line up with His Word. I'm going to read His Word. And I'm going to apply His Word. And so as I'm walking in truth, I'm walking in Christ. We talked about that the other day. Feelings are not truth. They're not facts. But Jesus is truth. And so as we walk in that, we walk in step with Christ. Man, we know, you know, and here's the thing, as I spend time with him, he's going to reveal to me what is sin in my life. See, I, we said this earlier, my prayer, my prayer today is that God would reveal whatever sin is in my life. And I'm telling you, I'm praying for you that God would reveal what you're hanging on to that is sin that the world is selling, and you're going to change, you're going to swap that garbage for power, for real power. And that comes by walking in the truth. Look at this passage here. I love the statement. It says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. I think all of us would agree these are evil days. So how do we live with wisdom? We live according to the Word of God. We walk according to it. We walk in step with it. It says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. How do I understand what the Lord wants me to do? I spend time in His Word. There's so many places in the Scripture where it says, this is God's will for you. This is God's will for you. Then what do you do? then I don't act thoughtlessly, but I literally do what His Word says. Look at what James says here. Don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. So, and what we're doing right here with the Scripture, we're holding the Scripture up in front of us like a mirror, and we're, we're saying, God, search me, show me, and God, I want to do what you say. 
not just hear it, not just let it tickle my ear, not let it, you know, be enough to maybe bring a little conviction, but no change. God is calling us to change, to transformation, right? And so don't just listen to it. And then here's Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Like I said, over and over and over in here it says, this is God's will. This is God's will. This is God's will. And then here's another one. Seek wise counsel and really listen. Now, I, I changed that because I didn't want to offend anybody too much, even though I've already done that. But seek wise counsel and really listen. So what I wanted to say was seek wise counsel and actually do what they say. See, a lot of times we'll hear wise counsel, but they didn't tell us what we wanted to hear, so we don't do what they said, right? We're seeking wise counsel. We just don't apply wise counsel. We're seeking wise counsel. We just don't want, we want them to say something different. We want them to say what we wanted to hear. We want them to maybe get into our feelings rather than what the facts are and what the truth is. And so I would say to seek wise counsel. And here's another one, is see a Christian counselor that is, a, that is biblically based. And let me just say this. There are pastors who stand in, in pulpits all over America, all over the world. They'll tell you that this is not relevant anymore. Some of them will. And they'll tell you that maybe there's some things in here that are out of date. I don't believe that. I believe in the full counsel of God's Word from beginning to end. And so I will just tell you this. There are some pastors out there that will t- tell you things that do not line up with Scripture. They'll tell you that, you know, that there is no such thing as male and female, which is crazy. There's all kinds of stuff and teachings that are out there. But I'll just tell you this. You need to go to a church and you need to be involved in a church where they believe the Word of God. But I would say the same thing about a Christian counselor. There are a lot of Christians who say, or people who are Christian counselors that say they're Christian counselors, but they don't believe the Word of God, and they don't believe that it takes the Word of God, or that it takes Jesus for you to be healed and to be completely set free of whatever you're living in bondage to. And so when I say go to a Christian counselor, I'm not talking about just someone who uses it as a tag, maybe to connect in the Christian culture. But it's someone who believes in the power of God that works through the power of the Scriptures, through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring healing and health and restoration to your soul. That's what I'm talking about. So I don't know what God may be t- saying to you today. Maybe, maybe today you realize, you know what, man, I'm not living out my faith in a way that this culture is impacted. I'm actually following the stinking culture that I say that I don't agree with. And I'm just telling you, the church can get that way. We can become so fixated on the culture that there's no difference in us and them. That's the reason people say, well, I don't want to go to that church full of hypocrites. And a lot of times they're right, right? But we've got to be able to say, God, I want to be different. I want to be set apart. I want to be committed. I want to be all in. I want people to know that you are my God and there's not any other God in my life. You're it. And I want to live that way. I want to ask you just to bow your heads. Close your eyes. And hopefully you prayed this prayer at the beginning when we read the Scripture. But I just want you to say, God, will you search my heart? God, will you illuminate, will you reveal what I need to confess to you? What I need to lay down, what I need to quit, what I need to repent of? God, would you, would you reveal that right now? Maybe you're here and you've never put your faith in Christ for salvation. You've never received Jesus. Maybe you're religious. Maybe you've been going to church all your life. But you've never been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You've never received the gift of salvation. You keep hoping that one day, you know, it'll happen. One day you'll have that feeling. Maybe you're chasing a feeling. 
But the fact is, if you put your faith in Christ, if you surrender your life to Jesus, Jesus will step into your life, and He'll change and He'll transform you. So I want to walk you through a simple prayer. It's a prayer of the heart. It's a prayer that you have to pray that has to be from you. But I just want to kind of walk you through it. Just say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe that you died on that cross for me. Jesus, I believe that you can set me free. I believe that you can heal me. And so, Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life, to be my leader, to be my Lord. And I'm asking you to save me from my sins and save me from myself. Jesus, I want to quit living the way I've been living. Because the way I've been living does not honor you or glorify you. So I want to repent of that. I want to turn to you. So Jesus, will you change the way I think? Will you change the way I live? And his answer is yes. And so if you just prayed that prayer, if you just asked Christ to come into your life, would you raise your hand just so I can see it? I see your hand right here. Welcome to the family of God. I see your hand. Welcome to the family of God. Raise it high. Raise it high so I can see it. Just so I can see I'm, I'm watching. I see your hand back there. Welcome to the family of God. Anybody else? Man, welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the family of God. God is, God is drawing people unto himself. Welcome home. Welcome into the family. The Bible says that all of heaven is rejoicing if one calls out. And there's been many in this room that have called out on Christ for salvation. But I believe that God is calling the church to repentance. I believe he's calling us as individuals to brokenness over our sin, over our focus, over the idols in our life. So these had the courage to raise their hand that they had put their faith in Christ. But my question for the believer in this room, are you willing to trust Jesus and follow him in repentance? To be everything that he's called us to be. That we would lay down the idols of this world. Father, I ask you to move in this moment. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for these salvations that we see all across this room. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work in this room. God, I thank you for the fact that you love us. God, that you want a relationship with us. God, that you will take these broken vessels. And God, that you will do incredible things through us for your glory and for your name. So, Father, we thank you for Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who went to the cross bearing all that shame that we put on him, that we might live in freedom, that we might live set free, that we might live as an example of your grace. So, Father, I pray that you would move in this time as we just trust you enough to respond, that we apply what you've said. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All across the room, if you would stand and you respond as the Holy Spirit's leading you. The altars are open. The prayer team is here. Our worship team will lead us in song. But you just be obedient to what God is telling you to do.